on page 340 in my book. It's God's plans for our sons. Does God have a plan for our sons? Amen. I know the plans. Jeremiah 29, 11. Amen. I have for you, says God. And that's for our sons and our daughters and for all of our families. So uh, let's read this text. Here's Paul wrote this to Titus. He says, Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. That's important, isn't it? Be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity. In doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. That's from the New American Standard Bible there. I like that version. So we're going to look just for a moment at those five uh, points. It talks here about the older men teaching the younger men. I think we talked about this some a couple sessions back. I am, I am very, what's the word, keen on that. I'm very keen on that. I really, it's one thing uh, that we want to do here at the house is train up the younger men and the younger women. We want to disciple them. And I think this church, uh, thanks to so many helping me, I think we do a pretty good job. Amen? Training them up for the next, uh, for the next uh, attack of the enemy, for, for the, their futures. So question number seven, uh, here it is on your handout on chapter 20. If you didn't get one, raise your hand up and we'll grab you one. I think there's one, Joseph, right on the corner of that uh, I think 20 and the, the, my master 21 is on top, and then it's probably right in under that on chapter 20. There we go. So, uh, all right. And, yeah, let me hand out 21s here tonight, too, while y'all are. Yeah. All right. Ham's got them here. Got plenty tonight. Chapter 21. The, yes, yes, they're all up here. Yeah, the, yeah, you might leave that master there. That was the, the master. That top one was the, that was the master. So here's the, here's the copies for 21. We'll get into it tonight. So, All right. <coughs> so he said they should be sensible. So sensibility. Do, do we still need common sense? <laughs> yeah, in a bad way, Pastor. Yeah, it's, it seems like that's a rare, rare duck here lately. Common sense. I never, it never ceases to amaze me, some of the stuff you see on Facebook, and you're just like, wow, your elevator is definitely not going all the way to the top on that, on that deal, you know, right there. Some common sense, you know. It's just, it's just crazy. So young men need to be sensible. Uh, they need to show forth good deeds. Is it, is it good to uh, get out and do some things? <clears throat> in this church, we have young men that, like John back here, <clears throat> I can call, and I know they're going to be right in the middle of it. They're going to be all over it, helping somebody, whether it's a, a widow or a, uh, you know, an elder person or anybody. Uh, so we're, we're thankful that our young men are showing forth a lot of good deeds. Purity and doctrine, is that important? to know the word we last night we spent I bet in our Bible college class I bet we spent 15 or 20 minutes talking about this this very uh, subject right here we're starting a new book called knowing the doctrines of the Bible and kind of the intro talks 
so much about it. There's a lot of people that don't even know what they believe. They're just, they just accept that whatever the preacher or whoever it is doing the teaching knows what he's talking about, and they don't study to show themselves approved unto God. Is it important that I take ownership of the Word of God? It's, right? Sixty percent of professing believers don't have a true biblical worldview, and that their doctrines are just—it's a hodgepodge of yeah. scattered stuff that they kind of little copy and paste this and copy and paste right. a little bit of that from different beliefs and things that they hear. Yeah, and it, it doesn't—it's not even scriptural. Not even don't even know the word of God. I challenged them last night. You know, it's one thing to say, Pastor David said this. I'd rather you say God's word Amen. says it. Amen. I mean, that's the goal, is it? Isn't it? To know the, the scriptures and to sh- you know, show yourself approved unto God. So purity in doctrine. I think we have pretty good doctrine here at the house. The best, I mean, we constantly are seeking more enlightenment, more, uh, uh, what's the word, revelation. But uh, some things in God's word have been true and have been easily to understand for centuries, right? Wow. Wow. God. Yeah. And there's such a mixture of the world in it. Yeah. It, there's a justification of sin in it. Yeah. I totally agree. It's... I. Like I said, I talk to different ones, my customers and different ones, and they'll ask me what I think about something, and I'll, I'll tell them. I'll say, well, it's not really so much what I think about it. It's what God, God's Word says about it, you know, that, that is very relevant here, you know. And it's, so it's very important, I think, to, uh, you know, what this book, this chapter is about is in the home. We are teaching our children purity in doctrine. We're, we're meeting with them. We're discussing things because uh, believe me somebody's feeding them something at school or uh, you know their friends or uh, those little uh, what'd you say the internet those little earbuds are in their ears feeding their little brain something so purity and doctrine uh, dignity that's good isn't it hallelujah mature understanding uh uh, it says, while that doesn't mean young men can't enjoy life, they should have a mature understanding of life, death, time, and eternity. Dad, do your boys see this type of spirit-controlled living in you? You know, dignified, Paul adds that t- Titus and young men were to be dignified of characteristics that should always also be true of men and women, deacons and older men. That, may, that means young men are to be serious, you know. Uh, it's not that you can't ever have fun. I've always said... I think being a Christian, I've, I've had a lot of fun in my life. And, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't have to do it with drugs or alcohol or nothing. You know, it was just hanging out with people, taking youth on trips, just on and on. You start to say something, Bob? Okay, yeah. I kind of had the same misconception. There's a lot of misconceptions but one of them that I had was that I won't be able to go and hang out with my friends and 
do the sports activities and the things that I like anymore because mm -hmm. it doesn't allow for that stuff, right? Wrong. Wrong. It allows for all that and so much more. Yes. I can still go canoeing. I can still go fishing. I can still go four-wheeler riding. I can still go do anything else I wanted to do. I just leave out all the sin. Yeah. Exactly. Good. Before we move on, too, I, wanted to, I don't want to forget this, but I just kind of had a revelation. Uh, Hallelujah. A change of heart, actually. Um, because I used to think, you know, church membership and, you know, keeping the books and being a member and uh, was kind of, oh, you know, we don't really necessarily need to do that. And But uh, I was thinking of Tina when she became a member of the Lutheran church. She was living with your grandma. Remember that? And they, they give her a book. Before you can be a member, you have to read the catechism. And then you have to take a test, you know, and you have to know the catechism before you can join the church. Wow. I think that's pretty cool. Right, <laughs> now, yeah. I mean, I used to think it was kind of a little bit much, but as much misunderstanding as there is today, yeah. you know, you want to be a member of this church, you need to understand what we believe and why you believe what yeah. you believe, you know. Take a test and pass it. If you don't, you got no business being here. I love it. love it. I know right now, tonight, Colin, they're, they're going through the book of Genesis, I believe, line by line, verse by verse. He's teaching them the... Are they? Awesome. Last week? Awesome. You know you're doing good when the kids are coming home yeah. telling scriptures, huh? Addison was praying the other day. Yeah. Just us they, they can tell you exactly what they're being taught. Awesome. They're, he's letting them read the scriptures as they're going through there. They're sitting there studying the, mm -hmm. the plain word of God. Hallelujah. Soundness in speech. Uh, Paul encourages Titus to be sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. Is what we say important? Do we need to think? before we speak you know that life and death are what in the power of the tongue not only in our life but we can we can bless you know with the same tongue we can bless men or we can curse men can't we so it's very important what are our kids what are what are our kids seeing in our home are we blessing people or are we say man that's sorry rah, 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 you know it's very important that we train our young men to be sound in speech and the result of all of this, uh, Paul says here, is what? They'll have nothing bad to say about us. Now, some people, they can find something. But hopefully, if we're doing these five things here, it's going to be pretty hard to find something bad to say about a young man that's doing this. So that, that is one, uh, one part of this. And then he gives an illustration here of David Wilkerson. Anybody remember him? Yeah. He asked his parents to evaluate which which priesthood described their lives the, the, the most. There's a little article here on 342. We won't take time to read it, but a lot of the kids were completely turned off to church. They wanted to nothing to do with their parents' religion. Uh, they, spoke, they spoke of their dad and mom's angry fights, blatant hypocrisy, awful gossip, secret sins. They heard grumbling. They heard complaining. Uh, and so they saw their parents as phony Christians, really. That's what they were seeing in the... That's what was being modeled them in the home so therefore they wanted nothing to do with this church so it's very important is it not that we model Christ now I think Paul uses a scripture here either here or later that imitate yeah here it is imitate me just as I am also 
as I also imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. That's the goal every day, isn't it, parents? Yes, is to be Christ-like. Hallelujah. I sent out a little text to a few people today, and it was a little mojo or whatever you call the things. Emoji. Emoji, yeah. Spreading joy. Spread joy. Spread joy. That's the goal, isn't it? Spread some joy today. So now, hurry in quick. Like I told you, we're going to wrap this one up and then get into 21. God's plans uh, for our daughters. The older women are to encourage the younger to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now, John, you went through this some, didn't you? I remember this when we, uh, back in one, was it the third section? We talked quite a bit about all chapter two. So we're just going to, Hit these really quick. Uh, number one, he says a love for her husband. Very important. Uh, very important. She's showing forth love for her home, for her husband. She's showing love for her children. We're praying this over our daughters, that the, and we're modeling this in our homes. Sensibility. We just talked about that under the young men. Purity. A pure wife is devoted to her man in body and in spirit. What she reads. Terry even talked on this some, I think, on one of the sessions what she reads listens to watches on televisions or movies should be should declare loyalty and devotion to the real man she lives with uh, and then her work at home uh, her a woman's responsibility is in the home because it's the place where she can have the greatest impact on the world and then number six is kindness we're praying this over our daughters that they'll show forth kindness one of the fruit of the spirit and then it starts with love for her husband and it ends with subjection to her husband. I know that's the lesson Terry taught on subjection, wasn't it? So, and the wife, to, gotcha. I thought so. So, to the husband, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. So some of this, again, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Again, I think I told y'all last week. A lot of this is is kind of a a review here. It's you know we're kind of reiterating it, so we're just gonna run on through this. The one thing I do want to do here, though, let's see. Uh, I, I like this right here. I want to at least say this on page three forty six. He, when he does a wet a wedding, he'll say this: "You are witnessing the second greatest day of this couple's life." thought man I may use this someday and then he explains the greatest day was the day these two individuals repented of their sins believing in Jesus for their salvation I really really like that so weddings very important but there's something more important than that and that's the day that you had a union with Jesus Christ amen uh, towards the end of this chapter he talks about uh, some prayers to pray over your uh, children. See here. Let's do these questions for sure. Number seven. In fact, let's go through all of them really quick on, on chapter 20. We went through the first six last week, but let's just buzz through them. I wanted to be in chapter 21 by 7.30 so we could uh, knock it. It's really got some good stuff about heaven. The characteristic mark of a genuine disciple 
Christ's identification badge is what? Love. Love. Didn't he tell them that? By this, all will know what? You're my disciples. And love is prompted, number two, by the Holy Spirit within us. Just David himself, it's hard for me to love some people. But the Holy Spirit within me, he makes me love them. The Spirit of God wants to be taking the Word of God to shape us to look like the Son of God in our daily lives. I love that. The Spirit of God wants to take wants to be taking the word of God to shape us to look like the son of God number four peace is an inner calm that results from confidence in one's saving relationship with Christ we talked quite a bit about that last week I'm glad that we can walk in peace that's the goal isn't it live at peace with all with all men rebellion is an inward choice to resist and go against the will of an authority over us. That's the two blanks on number five. Rebellion. And we talked about rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Remember that? Uh, to go against the will of an authority. I mean, know oh, God has done everything decently and in order. And he has uh, flow charts. That's, that's a big corporate word, but there's a flow chart, isn't there? As far as authority. And, and God will bless those that you know, as, as an associate pastor several, for several different churches and different things early in my life, there was a couple times when, when I bucked up <laughs> a little bit, and I had to be reined in and brought back in under uh, church authority. So God knew what he was doing. One of the most sobering lessons on the destructive power of stubbornness, disobedience, and the deadliness of rebellion is seen in God's account of the personal shipwreck of the life of King Saul. That's what we finished on last week, talking about all the bad choices that he made. It become just like a, a crash. You know, here he was up here. Uh, he'd been put king over Israel and just all these different, I think it was like 15 different things and eventually just caused his, his ruin and his demise. So number seven, this is where we started tonight. Sons need to see their fathers being role models characterized by sensibility Good deeds, number two. Three, purity and doctrine. Number four, dignity. And number five, soundness in speech. And then the one we just went over, daughters need to see (coughs) their mother being a role model characterized by love for her husband. Love for her children, sensibility, purity, working at home, kindness, and lastly, subjection to her husband. Okay, right at the last part of that chapter, this number nine was there, and I like this. His love is the foundation upon which a Christian family and all other relationships must be built. Love. Powerful. Jesus came preaching a new a new doctrine, didn't he? He said, love the Father and what? Love everyone else. Okay, so chapter 21. 
Let's see here if I can find this. I went past it. So I want to get into chapter 21. Uh, well, 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 I went past it the other way. Huh. Okay, here we go. Page number 357. We'll wrap this up tonight. And starting next week, Terry is starting a series on living the blessed life, walking in the blessed life. So sounds interesting. How many want to be blessed? Hallelujah. I love it. So living for heaven. We'll spend some, we'll slow down now and, and, go, and go along here some, but uh, do we get kind of, kind of earthly focused a lot of times down here? I think I sent something out on the text today. A lot of people just get in the day-to-day grind, don't they? And they forget the big picture that this life down here is just a prelude to the next life. What we do for God you know, how we, how we live our life. So important, is it not? Because I tell everyone, you know, down here we just really have a green card. This is not my home. This is not my home. My home is there. And I will be there someday forever and forever. So you live 70, 80, 90 years down here. That's a, a drop in the bucket to eternity with God. So... I think this chapter is going to really challenge us to, to be more heavenly, heavenly minded. Amen. Think about heaven. Think about choices that we make, decisions that we make every day. So, uh, there's an old song I used to sing called "I'm on my way to heaven," and the journey gets sweeter every day. Remember, if anybody remembers that, but well, I'm on my way to heaven, and the journey gets sweeter every day. Walking with Jesus. Talking with Jesus all along the way. Something like that. Anyway, I am on my way to heaven, right? A lot of songs about heaven. So, uh, But like I said, many are so earthly minded. So let's start off here. Uh, is the main four points of this chapter is choosing. Is it a choice? A life of contentment, a life of consecration, a life of commitment, and then lastly, giving our lives back to God. Let's move over to page 358. He uses a word here, affluenza. Okay, not influenza. We know what that is. That's the flu, right? He uses the word affluenza. And that's question number one. The char- Oops, I'm on the wrong study guide here. Number 21. What is affluenza? It's an obsession with acquiring more and more and really we could stop right there more and more whatever but he goes ahead and adds money and other possessions but you can write whatever you want to there but it's an obsession with acquiring more and more can people get into that mode yeah even in the the bible you know there's a great story i think jesus is the one that shared it about the man that said i'm going to tear down my barns build bigger barns and what was it Jesus said to him this soul your this night your soul will be required of you because his focus was on what money earthly possessions you know uh, what what was it Zig Ziglar said many years ago I've had it and I haven't had it 
uh, you know, money can be a powerful tool. And, you know, we, we do use money in ministry, don't we? But the love of money is what? The root of all evil. So, again, affluenza. There's a lot of people that get focused on that. Well, material wealth can't make people happy, can it? No. Here's what some of the richest. Anybody remember a guy named Vanderbilt? Pretty big name. The care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. That's what he said. Uh, Astor, another big, back in the early or mid-1800s, John Astor said, I am the most miserable man on earth. Had all the money in the world, but I am the most miserable man on earth. John D. Rockefeller said this, I've had many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Happiness is in Jesus, amen? Andrew Carnegie, millionaires seldom smile. True. Now we have billionaires, right? I know we have, you know, Elon Musk, and what's the other guy that's supposed to be up in the $800 billion? Bezos. Yeah. I know he just bought Twitter. Uh, Musk did, and that's, uh, yeah, a little ripple going through. He's trying to uh, clean it up a little bit. So, millionaires seldom smile. Henry Ford said this, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. There you go. So money, it's, it's, again, as I said, the love of money is the root of all even, evil. So a little bit there, he spends a couple of uh, pages there on that. Uh, then he over here on page 360, we go into eternity is a reality. <clears throat> It's time to start thinking about our eternal life, not just this temporary life. He says, a word-filled life, this is question number two in the middle of page 360, a word-filled life is like a compass. Everything is oriented toward heaven. What we do, what we say, where we go, all is scrutinized by what it means to our master in heaven. Does it please him or not. Any situation, any relationship, any possession should be tested by this question. What will this mean to God a hundred years from today? Good stuff, isn't it? You know, I think I preached here a couple of Sundays ago. It's a lot of people wait to the last thing to pray and talk to God about it. We've got to get to that place where we talk to him first about everything. Yeah. Yesterday, John and I were wishing we had prayed <laughs> we were working on a uh, closing on a house over here Friday and I had one little thing that this couple wanted fixed it was a it's a it's a burner it's a stove you know that slides in it's got four burners and an oven they all four worked and the oven worked but the inspector uh, went in there and one of those four burners did not turn on on low or simmer and uh, it didn't start coming on until you got to three on the dial. You know, ladies know what that is, so low and simmer did not work. Well, they called me, you know, we're, we're a week from closing, and said, yeah, they would really like that fixed. I said, well, I have a sign TRR here that says seller shall make no repairs. But I said, I will, I will try to fix that for you, just out of the goodness of my heart, just to be kind. And so I called John, and we were over there. Uh, we were diagnosing it, and it's the, sure enough, it's the switch. 
the thing on the knob that controls the, the, the deal. It wasn't the element. It wasn't the thing the element went into. It was, so we're, uh, we got everything else on that thing tore off. <laughs> but we cannot get to that switch. We've gone through the back. We've, how many screws? Probably 16, 20, something like that. We've taken apart, and we cannot, for God's green earth, <laughs> get to that switch. And I said, Brother John, we better pray. Yeah, when all that's yeah, we we went by that principle on this deal. Within ten seconds, I kid you not, was it not? Less, probably less. Ten seconds. I said, I bet those knobs. And John saw it at the. You saw it at the very. You'd already started pulling the. I out of my mouth came. I bet you those knobs is what's holding that thing in there. Sure enough, we pull the knobs off, and there's a little ring going around it that was holding that thing in there. So. Uh, don't live by when all else fails. <laughs> Pray, right? Bathe everything in prayer. So, uh, and I like what he says here. You know, we need to become more heavenly minded. We need to pray more. We need to seek God's will and the and His His uh, have His opinion in everything in life. Not you know, well, who cares about a stove? Well, apparently He did. <laughs> you know, He helped us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beating on it. How many times, you know? It's, uh, you know, some of us are stubborn, you know? It's, uh, here we are, you know, still learning lessons that we... Yeah, it does matter. Turn that mic on. And within that week, we had three people give us a washing machine. We had three washing, <laughs> three washing machines. Machine. Yeah. We were like, okay, Lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like what she said about he wants us dependent on him, you know. Now that I'm older, you know, my kids are not in my home every day. But believe me, when they call and need dad, I'm on it. I'm on it. That's right. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get on it and get it taken care of. So number three, the antidote for the poison of materialism is contentment. Being satisfied with one's possessions, status, or situation. Paul said, I've come to the place in my life where I've learned to be content in all things. Is that a good place to be? You know, God has blessed all of us here with cars to drive and nice homes and shoes and clothes. And, you know, I, I quite frequently tell the Lord, you know, I walk into my 
old barn over there and there's some old some things in there that I've collected over the years but I let the Lord you know sometimes there's tears running down my face I thank him I thank him for it I'm proud of it but I tell him Lord if, if, if I need to get rid of any of this I'll be happy to be happy to it's you, you're the one that's blessed me with it but it, it's it's not mine it's you you're letting me enjoy it but thank you you know that I get to have a little hobby there and, and play with some of that but it's uh, it's again uh, I was just as content living in a 12 by 60 mobile home because I had Jesus in my life you know hallelujah so it's it's a choice number one choosing choosing a life of contentment and here's that scripture Paul that I think I just quoted and, and I underlined I have learned I have learned. There's a sermon right there. I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ <coughs> who strengthens me. Contentment is liberating, he says here. I like that, don't you? Just learning. Amen. Uh, I was going to say, you know, it's so true. If you can't be content where you're at, you're never going to experience joy when you get yeah. think you where your joy is going to be. It'll never happen. Yeah. You you got to be content where you're at right now. That's how joy. That is joy. That is joy. Perfect point. Because that's just like you think. Okay, if I could just get these two bills paid for, I'll be happy. If I could just get this house sold and get into that house, or if I could just get this car fixed, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, be happy with where you're at now. Yeah. And be thankful. Be grateful. That's one thing I do, uh, I do frequently is let God know how much I appreciate him and thank him for everything. I'll thank him for my eggs. The other morning I was putting the, Bev's got a new, in fact, I brought it to her tonight. Back there, Bev, hold it up. Some kind of a new seasoning that she puts on her. Anyway, I was thanking him for that right there this morning. I was sprinkling, sprinkling that on my eggs. I said, Lord, thank you for this seasoning. It sure does make this egg taste taste good. You know, it's uh, living it with an attitude. We're in the Thanksgiving season, but living with an attitude of gratitude, right? Every day. Hallelujah. So... Um, number four here we're going to look at seven we're, we're trying to escape materialism because Terry said it well you know learning to be content but the devil sells us a bill of goods on if I can just get this I'll be happy if I can just get that I'll be happy a new car or a new this and so man pursues and chases all these things and, and never never finds as we heard the testimonies of these millionaires still miserable so that's, there's only peace and happiness and joy in Christ Jesus. The, the, I've seen, I've been to Mexico and saw the poorest of the poor. I've seen them worship God and put us to shame. I've been to India and the, the joy, you can just see it on their, their countenance. They don't have, uh, I guess I can say this tonight, a pot to pee in. Is that okay? <laughs> but they're happy. They're happy in Jesus. Escaping materialism. Four, uh, seven keys here. Always remember, it's number four on your, on your uh, study guide. 
Name the seven keys to contentment. Always remember things are only temporary. Aren't they? These, even these chairs you're sitting on, 100 years from now, they're going to be wore out and thrown in a, you know, in a dumpster somewhere, right? They're, they're temporary. Only seek necessities. Wait for the rest. Here's the verse 8. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be, what? Content. Amen. God, thank you for this food. Thank you for this shelter. <clears throat> Avoid a consuming desire for prosperity. And he uses this scripture here. These are all in 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 12 and 15 through 19. It says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts. That's what the devil uses, isn't it? Lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money, is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their what? Greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They were chased. Huh? Avoid a consuming desire for prosperity. It's almost like a lustful desire. Yeah. There you go. Okay, number four is flee materialism. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. So he's instructing, he's instructing Timothy, isn't he? This is Paul, you know, First Timothy chapter 6. And he's mentoring them and saying, flee all these, these other things, but pursue these things. That's where, that's where uh, happiness is at. Cling to eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith, he said here. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So cling to eternal life. And, and I want to just add here, lay up some treasures in heaven. Isn't that the best investment? Where moth and rust will not eat it up. Everything, like I said, everything. Metal, wood, it's going to rot, it's going to rust, and it's going to be nothing. So I'm, I'm going to lay up treasures somewhere else. Number six, pin your hopes on God. Hallelujah. We sing that song here sometimes, all my hope is in Jesus. All my hope is in Jesus. We pin our hopes on him. And then lastly, give until it hurts. That's a good one, isn't it? I really... You know, it's not just necessarily monetarily, but it's giving of yourself to other people, to you know, seeing a brother or sister in need and, and being there. Here's the scripture. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may be, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So, again, some good, some good points right there. Now we're going to, Jump over to point number three here, choosing a life of consecration. Uh, gives a story here about King, uh, was a young man. Anybody read that? The little young man that was a king, 17 years old. Anybody read that tonight? He had, uh, he was, here, here it is. The King Tut exhibit at the Egyptian National Museum was, was mind-boggling. Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun. The boy king was only 17 when he died. He was buried with solid gold chariots, 
and thousands of golden, thousands of golden artifacts. His gold coffin was found in a burial site filled with tons of gold. The Egyptians believed they could take earthly treasures into the afterlife, but all the treasures intended for King Tut's eternal enjoyment stayed right where they were. <laughs> Until Howard Carter discovered the burial chamber in 1922. They put them there, and they were still there. What's that old story, story I've never seen? A hearse dragging a... How do you say it? A U-Haul. There you go. Yeah, there you go. For all these possessions, you know, that you're, you can't take it with you. But then it talks about another man, William Borden. Anybody ever heard the, of the last name Borden? Borden's Milk. He, in 1904, he was a member of the Borden Dairy family. Finished high school in Chicago, given a world cruise as a graduation present while traveling through the Near East and the Far East, he became heavily burdened for the loss. After returning home, he spent seven years at Yale and Princeton and then did some undergraduate work. Eventually, he, uh, on his way to China to witness to Muslims, he stopped in Egypt to learn Arabic. So he goes there to minister to these Chinese people. Anyway, in the back of his Bible, he first wrote, no reserves. He was happy. He was there doing what God had called him to do. Later on, he writes, no retreats. The enemy was fighting him there, you know, living with the bare necessities of life. And after four months of intense studying and regular evangelism among the poor of Cairo, uh, now he's back in Egypt, Borden contracted cerebral meningitis. He died within a month at age 25. Just an hour after his death, his mother arrived at his bedside. As she was looking through his Bible, she discovered the third and final set of words, no regrets. He had done what God had called him to do. He, he wasn't buried like the big, you know, guy with all the gold. He had just done. In fact, uh, in fact, it says that he had to go back through an alley and back down through another area to uh, today. Yeah, Borden's grave is obscure, dusty, hidden off the back alley of a street littered with garbage. Tutankhamun's tomb and treasures travel the world, glittering with unimaginable wealth. Yet where are these two? young men now it's not about what you have is it it's not about what you have so all right let's see here number uh number five here consecration means what believing number one that in god's system losers are keepers remember this the scripture here it is Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will what? Lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Right? The opposite of the world's agenda, right? For what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world? loses his own soul or what will a man give in exchange for his soul for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will be rewarded he will reward each according to his work so again right the opposite losers are keepers number two uh, consecrations means returning to the Lord the title deed to all that we own 
Anybody read last week about a man named David Green? Owns Mardell's, owns Hobby Lobby. I don't know how many stores. Billionaire, probably. He gave it all up, didn't he? He was interviewed, and he gave it, said, I'm giving it all back to God. Powerful. Right? That, did you, you, yeah, Jennifer works there, right? So, yeah, gave it all back to God. So, returning to the Lord, the title due <coughs> to all we own. Number three, giving our bodies, minds, and everything else to the Lord. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable. That's one of Juan's favorite scriptures. Y'all remember that from Bible study class? I remember, yeah, which is your reasonable service. <laughs> so, very good one. It means believing we were number four. Am I going too fast? Number three was giving our bodies, minds, and everything else to the Lord. Number four, believing we were bought and paid for by the Lord. Of course, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 3, both of them talks about that. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Number five, consecration means giving ourself back to God. Hallelujah. So, that's number three. Number four is living a life of commitment. Is that important? Y'all are committed. You're here tonight on a Wednesday night when everybody else stayed home and was committed to something else. <laughs> so, uh, he talks about David Livingstone here. Uh, again, what a great, great man of God. He said on his last night, I want to read this, on his last night on this planet, planet Earth, he would have prayed a prayer that he had written out many years before. If you were able to hear what God heard that last night, it would have been this. Oh, Lord, since you have died to give yourself for me, no sacrifice would seem too great for me to make for thee. I only have one life, and that will soon be passed. I want my life to count for Christ. What's done for him will last. I follow thee, my Lord, and glory in thy cross. I gladly leave this world behind and count all gain as loss. Lord, send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Sever any tie. Save the tie that binds me to your heart. Lord Jesus, my King, I consecrate my life, Lord, to thee. Powerful. Amen. Made so many sacrifices for, for God. All right. Number six on your handout, we are most like God when we're giving. When we're giving out of ourselves, whatever. It's, that's on page 375. Someone once said we're most like God when we're giving. I believe that. Number seven, five tricks of the devil uh, to keep us from giving to God. Number one, spending. Satan encourages overcommitment. How many young people get overcommitted earlier in their life? It takes years sometimes to, to dig out of that. The credit card companies love to get you to where you have about eight to $10,000 on that credit card because 
then when you're making that $200 a month payment, you're not paying hardly any on the principal. You're just... <laughs> yeah, you got repo. There you go. I like that. I like that. There you go. And I never even had a credit card until I was like 42 years old or something like that. I, you know, I didn't believe in it. I was like, no, you know, I'm not going to have a credit card. And I finally, by that time, it got to where you almost had to have one to, to do about anything, you know, so... was it? It was about 90 before. Yeah. 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 It was 1995 before I ever had a credit card. But anyway. Spending, uh, upgrading, that's another trick he uses. We want to upgrade to a higher standard of living and, uh, yeah, be living beyond your means. Uh, another one is waiting. Satan dries up the fountains of generosity in the heart by suggesting postponement of giving to some future date. Holding on to it. Don't, you know, wait. Waiting. So that's number number one was spending. Number two, upgrading. Number three, waiting. Number four, leveraging. And that Satan so arranges things that the assets of the generous man becomes frozen or overcommitted so that he cannot give what he genuinely wishes to give. Expanding businesses too rapidly often demands reinvestment on a scale that leaves little for given. Trying to get too big, too quick, right? Leveraging. And then lastly, keeping it to the end. Stack, pack, and racket, you know, type of thing. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm heading for my golden years. I better put everything back. Well, why not give some to... To God and uh, okay, I guess. Anyway, uh, why not give some to God and then He'll give you more. Give and what happens? It shall be given to you. So the last question here, da, 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 number eight, and this is on the very last page, three seventy nine. I love this. Here's the summary of the whole book. Are y'all ready? The goal of word-filled praying is to see our children desire God more than things, godliness more than pleasure, gratitude to God for what they have, rather than being discontent over what they don't have, and finally, to desire eternal rewards more than the temporary rewards of this physical world. That's powerful, isn't it? If I was a parent, and I, one second, if I was a parent, had kids at home, I think I would copy this, put it on the refrigerator or something. That's the goal. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, eternal was the last blank. Uh, the one before that was discontent, rather than being discontent over what they don't have. First blank was children. Second blank, godliness. Third blank, blank was gratitude. Fourth one was discontent. And the last one was eternal. We did it. All right. Woo-hoo. Next week, Brother Terry will be teaching you about walking in the blessed life. Hallelujah. Looking forward to it. Yes. Yes.